Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So last year around this time, as we were, you know, heading into the kind of like, you know, any minute now, the the fall hardware will be released uh, kind of era of the year. We had this fun episode where we basically said, let's spend Dan Riccio's hardware budget. <laughs> and the idea here, uh, Dan Riccio is Apple's uh, senior vice president of hardware engineering. And the, the idea behind this, uh, in a similar way of like people on podcasts like us often will talk about, oh, yeah, it's easy for us to let's let's spend Tim Cook's money. Um, the idea is every year, you know, technology moves forward and, you know, things get better and more efficient. And usually when it comes to hardware, usually every year's or whatever, every generation of hardware is able to do more with less power. And so you get this kind of surplus that, well, what do you do with the gains that you've made by this generation's advances in efficiency? And you can do things like, you know, just bank it and just have better battery life and lower heat, or you can like spend it by making the battery smaller and therefore making the whole device thinner and lighter or, you know, things like that. you can make performance better, uh, things like that. So we're, we're going to do this once again, because it, it's kind of a fun thing. Uh, we're going to go through the various major product families and this year say, how are we thinking about spending Dan Riccio's hardware budget for 2020? <laughs> I love this, especially building on how wildly unsuccessful we were last year. Yes, you know, the one are <laughs> like we talked about how you know while I'm sh- while I'm sure they could spend their their heart, their battery budget on an always on display, like they're never going to do that. That's completely in- inconceivable, and that's exactly what we got. Right, the Apple Watch would never have an always on display. It, it could never power it all day. That's impossible. Yeah, so. Building on that success, it's it's a fun little <laughs> sort of exercise to uh, to go through. Exactly. <laughs> but I do think this year, especially on the Apple Watch, speaking of that, I think is going to be a really interesting year. Like, I think we're going to have a lot more, a lot of movement in a variety of directions. And I think mostly I'm saying that for two reasons. One is they've clearly, I think, sort of indicated that whatever the new watches are, they're not going to have... Uh, pressure sensitivity in the screen. So no force touch menus, um, nothing like that. Because in watchOS 7, they've all been deprecated. It's clearly not something that they were wanting to sort of go forward in sort of the future direction of the platform. And I think that is interesting because obviously that eliminates, you know, a, a display component. And I imagine with that comes um, thickness constraints that they could potentially take advantage of where like whatever whatever width in the screen in the screen or in the package was used uh, for the, t- the touch sensitivity they don't need to do that anymore and two there's just always a necess- I'm sure there's a battery uh, sort of benefit from this as well because whatever that technology is I don't understand exactly how the force sensitivity worked but it's going to be taking power because it's a thing so it's going to have to take power so it's not going to be taking that power now and so I think that's one side of it and I think two is that I think, and I'll hope, this is like a big fingers crossed for me as a watch developer, I think the Series 3 is probably going to be retired this year. Um, I really hope it is. Like, it's been around for so long and is kind of the odd man out in the Apple Watch lineup now. And it's, you know, because it's the old style, non sort of to the bezel, sort of non-rounded screen. um, And it has all these different constraints and things in terms of the way watchOS works. Like it has a completely separate set of uh, complications than um, the, the sort of the modern infographic uh, style of complications. 
and it just feels really odd and weird and has been around for so long. And I mean, I think it's clearly that it's around now because they can make it so inexpensively. It's, you know, three years old, essentially. Um, and it's selling really, really well, which I kind of don't like as a developer, just like, it's like right now, <laughs> like, I mean, I love that there are more and more people who are exploring getting the Apple Watch. That part's great. But I don't love that right now for me, like it is the most popular Apple Watch in like my analytics by far. Um, it takes up about, about 33% um, of, you know, of, of my active users are using a Series 3 Apple Watch, which is a lot for it to be the oldest, most slowest, least capable, teeniest device. Like, that's not a great situation. So I would hope and think, and, you know, general rumors and things seem to indicate it's hopefully going to be going away in some way this year. But... Like, and those two things getting just sort of coming together makes me think that Apple is going to have a real, you know, it's like essentially they're going to completely turn over um, the Apple Watch sort of lineup this this fall. Um, that they should, rather than just shifting things down, they're going to, you know, sort of t- t- take out the bottom one. And I don't think they're probably going to replace it with a Series 5. Like, I don't think they have, because it seems like that would be a huge jump from a cost perspective to go from the current like flagship to the next year being sort of the bargain price model uh, that seems like a bit of a, a reach i mean just like if apple wants to do that more power to them but my guess is more likely that we would see some kind of situation where the you know the series six apple watch is you know the new flagship with whatever new sensors in it and whatever they're doing with this extra battery budget they have from dropping force touch and then they introduce like something else you know like like the 6r or whatever the or 6c or whatever you know it's like some kind of lower cost cheaper version um to replace the the series three and but hopefully and i you know i really hope replace it with something that sort of adopts the modern the modern um, sort of a hardware design so that we can kind of s- start to move away from the f- 38 millimeter and 42 millimeter and move into the bright world of 40 and 44 millimeters instead. Yeah. I mean, in addition, like that was, so I mean, that's, I hope you're right. I hope this actually happens, but I have my doubts, you know, mainly because they are still selling a ton of it. And they they're not going to like start selling the series four super cheaply in all likelihood because no. as soon as the five came out they seem to have stopped making the four like it never it never took that spot of the lower cost one they just skipped that one for whatever reason and and the five is in many ways very similar to the four except for that always on screen that's like the major improvement of it um so it's almost like they've they actually are kind of still making the same watch as the series four just with this one big big change but so, you know, so maybe the Series 6 will be like a bigger leap than we expect because the Series 5 didn't push performance forward, really. Um, but, you know, the other thing to consider is that Series 3, in addition to being the last of the old Apple Watch uh, screen sizes and complication styles, as you mentioned, and all that stuff, is also, as far as I know, the last 32-bit device Apple is still shipping. and Because the Series oh. 4 Apple Watch uh, went 64-bit. And and so that I'm pretty sure again I could be wrong if I'm forgetting something but I'm pretty sure that series the Apple Watch is Apple's last 32-bit device and there are plenty of reasons technically why they would want to get rid of that you know relatively soon that being said yeah they are selling a ton of them and the market for smartwatch and smartwatch like things like Fitbits and stuff 
just really rewards low price. Like if you can if you can push that price lower and lower and lower, you do very well in that market. And Apple does have a lot of very strong competition in the low price segment of that market. You know, they don't, there aren't a lot of nice you know multi hundred dollar smartwatches that are competing well with Apple. Apple really has that has the high end you know taken over as as they tend to do. Uh, but the the low end for price, they do have strong competition, and so I I don't think they're going to get rid of it for like just sales reasons anytime soon i I think they're going to keep pushing it just lower and lower in price until they can sell the series four or five for like you know two hundred dollars or whatever it is um but but i I don't know if that is this year or not it would be nice but but i don't know if it's going to happen yeah and and that's i think such a tricky question because it's whether it's is there a also i wonder if they if they consider that there's a minimum price they want to sell an apple watch for um because in some ways, it's like there's that interesting branding exercise around at a certain price, does it diminish or start to impact the sale of their high-end device too much? That, right. you know, like, like you've, you, if, if you say, oh, you know, I'm uh, like, I, I've seen this in my sort of in just my own experience. Like, it seems like right now, a lot of people are really interested in tracking and monitoring their health which for obvious reasons for what's going on in the world at large, like that is certainly something that people have haven't have an active interest in. And I think it's the interesting question of you walk into the Apple store or go online or however, however you're able to, to buy these days. Um, and if on the one hand, you know, right now, I think you, the entry level price for a series three is I think one ninety nine, yeah, and then it's three ninety. It's worse than I thought, yeah, because yeah, it's. The, I don't think it's ever been quite this much of a jump where the entry level Apple Watch was half the price of the next one up. Yeah, it's like it's one ninety nine or three ninety nine. Yeah, so I, I don't and think they're going to cut the price of the Series Five in half in one year. No, and so that makes me think that they they would need to either build a device that is like like purpose built for being cheap. Yeah. Um, and I don't know exactly what that is or what that device looks like, but it feels like it has to be specifically built for that. Or yeah, it's like they keep selling this, but if they keep selling the Series Three, would they go to like one forty nine or something? Like, I, like I could see them doing it, but I just I don't. A I don't want. I mean, I, a part of me is like so clouded because I, do, I really don't want them to. Like this device is like this this anchor around watchOS development for probably at least the next two years because. They're still selling it now. And if they add it another year, like it's just we're going to be supporting this till like watchOS 9. Um, and so I really don't want it to go away. But and it's tricky because the Series 3 Apple Watch is for fitness tracking and basic like Apple Watchy stuff is really good. It's a really good basic like does the job well Apple Watch. Um, and I think there are also probably some people who also kind of like that it's really it's it's physically very small. Like the 38 millimeter Series Three Apple Watch is the smallest Apple Watch available right now, and the thir- the 38 to the 40 it's not a huge jump, but it's bigger, and it's definitely a noticeable and tangible thing for something that has a bigger sort of fashion and how your wrist you know how it looks on your wrist and the size of your wrist, like those kind of things. And so I wouldn't. There's part of me that wonders if you could almost make the next version have the it's it be forty millimeter ish or it's, it's it's like it's the forty millimeter metrics but in a physically smaller package and just push it you know even more to the edge on the screen or something but because um, it is interesting like I also wonder like are they going to keep I mean they probably will just keep having this high end sort of Apple Watch model that's you know four hundred to $500 range 
um, because it seems to still also be selling really well. So there's a lot of interest in the higher end thing, but they're just going to have to keep putting pressure there for like why that's compelling. Um, like, why would you want that? And I think that, you know, the always on display is, I think, a big thing that I think is a certainly a compelling feature. Um, and you know, it's, are they going to add more sensors, you know, interesting thing, you know, sort of on the filth health and fitness side, um, or I'm just trying, it's like, it, it, in a weird, in a weird way, like, I mean, maybe I'm just too used to the Apple watch, but it's it becomes less compelling to get the fancier, more expensive model when, um, it isn't that much different than the, you know, the, the one before, like if you picked up a, a used series five Apple watch, if they stopped selling it. Um, it, or, you know, a, a refurbished or whatever, like you, it's, it's harder to be more, be more compelling, which is interesting sort of aspect to this as well. Yeah, totally. And I imagine too, the it's like what they're going to do with the force touch thing. I think it just seems like that it's, it's a failed sort of, it, 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 as in, as a user interface paradigm, I think it would just kind of was a failure on the Apple watch. Like, and that sounds a bit of a mean way to say it, but like, it just never, it was never intuitive. Anytime I felt like I was putting a control or a feature behind force touch, it felt like I was like hiding it from the user and setting it up as like a, like a scavenger hunt that they were going to have to go like <laughs> looking for this feature. Like, how do I change the, you know, how do I change the calendars displayed on my calendar? It's like, well, you force touch and it's like, what, what is this? Like, or you, you, you know, or you I think most people didn't know that it was have certainly interacted within like a normal life where people didn't know that they could change and configure the complications on their Apple watch on their Apple watch, because in order to do it, you had to force press right. to activate the act like the editor view. And so they either did it on their, on their, on their iPhone um, or they just never did it. And they would just swipe horizontally between whatever the built-ins are and they were just like well this is just how the apple watch comes it has these five app you know has five, these five um five things and that's what it comes with um and so i think it just never really worked and so it makes sense to drop it as a feature because on a device this small like any little savings that they can have in terms of hardware that they can pull out and not actually negatively affect the device like it makes total sense and you know they'll, they'll use that for some reason in terms of cost savings battery life whatever but it just kind of makes sense that it'll just go away and just you know i don't think it will be missed in the same way on the iphone um they got rid of it and it just kind of went away and it wasn't particularly missed all right we are brought to you this week by revenue cat uh, revenue cat is a service that tries to take Take, take away and diminish the pain points in in-app subscriptions. It tries to let you focus on building features that matter to your customers rather than dealing with, you know, back-end accounting and bookkeeping. It works for iOS, Mac, Android, and Stripe. And it's a system that is designed around letting you verify and manage the subscription status of your customers across platforms. It gives you tools to get easily set up and start running. And they have SDKs and platforms for just any any platform that you want to work with as a developer. On the back end, they have lots of automation and webhooks and integra integration with various analytics tools to try and give you visibility into what's happening uh, with your customers who are subscribing within your app. Um, and on the pricing side, it has very, I think, generous and sort of reasonable pricing where to, it's free to start for small platform, small projects. It's always free as your business or your project grows. Uh, there's a very sort of reasonable, manageable uh, monthly fee that comes along. But I love the way that it starts off as a free thing. And for many pro projects, we'll just continue to be that. Um, I use it in WatchSmith. I expect to use it this fall in WidgetSmith. Um, if you've ever worked with the StoreKit subscription APIs, they are a nightmare um, to actually do right and to <laughs> yep. do all of the things 
Yeah, it's like you, you, you did this the other way, the non-revenue cat way, where you spend like weeks and months building your own custom server to deal with all of the stuff that um, StirKit requires. and <laughs> Not worth it. <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> Highly recommend instead just outsourcing that. I started down that road, read through the programming guide for how to do it, and I was like, nope, I am not going anywhere near this. This sounds like a giant pain, and I'm very glad that I did that. Um, so if you want to do that, if you want to be like me rather than Marco and sort of just relieve all your subscription worries, uh, go to revenuecat.com. It's free to get started, and it's a great place to just sort of start and take this out of your out of your hands and instead let you focus on what actually counts to your customers. Our thanks to Revenue Cat for sponsoring Under the Radar and all of Relay FM. All right, so let's spend Dan Riccio's hardware budget. So, <laughs> yeah. So for the Apple Watch, you know, as you mentioned, we we will probably have a bit of a surplus uh, this year, at least, possibly more if they do like a like a generational leap uh, since Series Five was not really faster than Series Four. Uh, so, what do you think they should do with the Apple Watch? I guess you go first. Sure. I mean, I think the the biggest things that I think they should do on the flagship model is they should give it ridiculous battery life. Like whatever they can spend it, like I think it's fast enough. I don't think performance is a problem. I think this is the year to go big on battery life, especially because sleep tracking is now like a first party supported use case for the Apple Watch. Um, and I think that's the, the right place to sort of spend their budget. And then on the small side, I think ideally is creating a modern a modern looking Apple watch as cheaply as they can. And if that still has the old battery life and the old performance, that's fine, but just make it look and sort of physically behave to the OS like a modern Apple watch rather than something that's from you know three years ago. Yeah, that sounds right. My, I had for Apple watch basically very similar. Uh, basically my, my opinion was these savings that you have, this is the year to bank them, not spend them, you know, because in, you know, last year we had this massive, power expenditure of adding the always on screen and the the watches right before that like the series three and four have amazing battery life so much so that we were saying you should spend this <laughs> this is too yeah. much battery life spend it on cool features and they did and that kicked it back a significant way and so now like i have the smaller of the two series five i have the 40 millimeter one and if i do a say an hour-long workout in the morning and I have the always on screen. If I wear that all day, I mean, I'm also on the beta, so that doesn't help. But <laughs> like I have occasionally run out of power uh, in the evening or I'll put it you know, when I go to bed. I'll notice it's at like 15 percent. Like, OK, well, that, that was cutting it a little close. If I did, say, more than one hour of workout mode or if I was trying to use um, streaming to stream music or something or use cellular data like that could have driven it down. So this is a year for the Apple Watch that I say bank the savings and just improve the battery life to then enable future you know advances so i'm also going to always add here my constant wish which i already know from watch os 7 that we didn't really get but my constant wish is to apply whatever savings possible in the battery area to watch os and the limitations that it imposes on third-party apps to raise those limits on our apps to some degree so let us run you know more cpu time give us more background refresh time give us you know the ability to update complications more often whatever like all these limitations that are in place in watch os for what third-party apps can do and how often they're woken up and stuff like that i would love for some of these savings to be spent raising those limits yeah, absolutely agreed. All right, let's move on to the next device in the size category, the iPhone. I don't think we have too much to say here. What do you think the technology savings should be spent on on the iPhone? 
I mean, I think the iPhone is just a funny platform because it's so old and so mature in a good way that like, I think when I think of what would I, what would I want in an iPhone this fall? Like, I mean, I've bought an iPhone every fall for the last decade. So, you know, I'm probably going to buy whatever they put out again this year. But like what I think about mostly is uh, frustration with face ID, I think is certainly going to be something that I don't know if they could have dealt with it at this point, by this point, but some kind of fingerprint based uh, reader would be very much appreciated. Um, but other than that, like my iPhone is already so fast, like from a performance perspective, there is nothing that I do on my iPhone on a regular basis that feels at all slow. That feels like it's limited by the device or its um, capability. And it's weird because some of the things like battery life, um, I know the battery life improved with the iPhone 11s, but like, I, I don't even really notice that now. Cause I like, I never leave the house. I don't go anywhere. <laughs> right. Like, it's less important. It's, uh, <laughs> No one's traveling. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not like on a plane and want to, you know, make sure that I can watch three movies in a row on my phone without plugging in. Like these, situ- these aren't situations that are just part of life right now. So for everything to be compelling, um, I feel like it's like the main thing for me is just better sort of bettering authentication. And I've heard, you know, the general rumors that there might be a smaller but modern style iPhone um, as part of the lineup is something that it, it sort of intrigues and um, sort of t- delights me. Like I'm a small phone person. I prefer, like my favorite phones have typically been the smaller of the phones. Um, and so I would certainly appreciate and enjoy that. And in some ways that's spending the, the battery budget because smaller phones tend to have smaller batteries. But if they can do so and still maintain the battery life that I'm getting currently on my um, 11 Pro, that would be a great win for me. As you know, we always disagree on everything in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy you mentioned the small phone. I had that on my list as well because I too am looking forward to this rumored 5.4 inch display phone. Um, yeah. Because as the like you know the, the iOS or the iPhone 10 series of phones got larger than the series that came before it, and the rumor this year is that it will again get larger still. And so, and I'm not looking forward to that because one of the things, my number one request for the iPhone is not necessarily for the size to change, although I will appreciate that. I would like them to get a little bit lighter weight. The last few phones have been significantly heavier and more dense than the phones that came before them, in part because of that great battery life. But now that we're going to, ha- you know, if we have a technological generation where we can spend some of the gain, I would say make the phone lighter. And that could come from lots of different ways. It can come from, you know, obviously different case materials. It can come from making a smaller phone. That way I'm happy with the smaller one. Um, but overall, it will mean a smaller battery. In all likelihood, batteries are very heavy. Uh, and so if we can do that while still maintaining reasonable battery life, similar to what we have now or within kind of, you know, the ballpark, I'd be very happy with that. Um, the one other thing I would I would put a request in for the iPhone, this is, again, like we all have like our little specialty nitpicks that have to do with what makes our apps easier or harder. <laughs> and, and my thing on the iPhone is the iPhone 11 series had, has such an advanced camera system in, in software that when you open up the camera, it tends to terminate almost all of your other background apps. And it, it even, like in my uh, audio engine, I, I, use, I use the real-time audio uh, interface, and I actually have to have significantly larger buffers uh, than I otherwise would, and I have to really and, and I still sometimes get get little blips when you open the camera. You'll hear a little blip in the audio because it's just doing so much to prepare that camera because it, there's it's such a complicated setup these days and it's so advanced. It dumps everything out of RAM. It, like it's it it does a lot. So using some of the technological gain to uh, I guess either add more RAM or you know, keep the real-time stream going a little bit better on the audio side would make my life easier. 
Um, but otherwise, for the most part, as a, as a user, I'm looking forward to on the iPhone. Uh, I would love that smaller one if it's any good, and uh, and I, I really am looking forward to trying that because the, the modern iPhone is just so not only big but heavy. Yeah, and it's just in a way that isn't. Yeah, it doesn't feel as necessary. Like I don't know. Like at least in in my, in my use, like I, I think ever since the iPhone 10, like this form factor with the full like sort of the edge to edge screen, um, like I. It, it, it's got plenty of screen as it is. And I think even you making it a bit smaller, I don't think I would feel cramped or uh, problematic. And it's like, in terms of things like the notch, like I, you know, every now and then you hear people talk about, Oh, they might shrink the notch or make it smaller. It's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I, I <laughs> like the first week I had an iPhone 10, it may have felt a little weird. I don't even think about it now. Like it's, that's not interesting to me really. And I, in some ways I'd rather them just, you know, focus on, other other things about the phone than this, you know shrinking down the, the notch because it's not it's really not a problem yeah same i couldn't care less about the notch all right and finally let's move on to the mac what do you want to see it's, it's a weird year obviously because you know we're going to be going into the switch to apple silicon any minute now but uh, what do you want to see with the possibly large uh power savings that we're going to get from that switch yeah, I mean, my, my big hope for this fall is that one of the early Macs that comes out with Apple Silicon is a Mac that makes sense for developers. Um, that hmm. I would be very excited to get one of those, and it would be a little compl- I would have complicated feelings if the first, like the first, you know, the first Macs to get Apple Silicon are the twelve-inch, uh, like they, they bring back, say, like a twelve-inch MacBook. Which and I think they update will. <laughs> the, they probably will, and like they updated the iMac or something like that, like just like the base iMac um, to have it or something. Like if it, they didn't, if there wasn't an obvious option for you know for a, a powerful professional like super machine, I would be a little frustrated. Like I loved the twelve inch MacBook. I mean, I, I for years that was my kind of like travel machine. I loved it, and if they if that was where they went, I would still get one. But I would do it with a little bit of reservation and frustration that I would love to instead, if, you know, the next Mac I buy is going to be Apple Silicon, and it'd be great if it was, you know, a developer class machine um, rather than a developer compromise machine. Like whenever I did my, you know, had the 12-inch MacBook as my development machine when I was traveling, it was because it was so crazy light, but it could do it. And if I needed to, while I was traveling, do a build, the fact that it took like three times, four times longer than it did on my, ret- on my like iMac Pro... I just accepted that that was the cost of doing business, but it would be great if instead it was, you know, developer class machine, one of them in the lineup um, that I could choose and then, you know, buy that and sort of feel confident about its its utility going forward for the long haul. See, my con- I, I agree with you. My concern there is the GPU story. I don't think Apple has super high performance gpus ready yet and i also can't see them putting like an ati or nvidia chip in there or amd or nvidia chip <laughs> sorry i'm old it sounds like i'm old when i say ati uh, yeah. <laughs> um i can't see them doing that for any of the apple silicon Macs. i have a feeling they're going to do their own gpus for all of them but i have a feeling also that like th- that like the, the latest rumors say that like they're, they're going to have this great gpu uh in this great apple silicon mac next year so I'm guessing the machines that typically have the high-end GPUs, which tend to be the higher-end machines, including the 16-inch, the um, iMac, the Mac Pro, of course, who knows what they're going to do there. But, you know, I, I think those machines are going to be the last ones to move over. Um, rumors are that they're going to have like a 13-inch MacBook Pro and an, and possibly a remade 12-inch. I think that's most likely on the laptop side. I think the desktop side might be solved with a Mac Mini. You know, the dev kit sure. is a Mac Mini. 
and they presumably could just do that because the GPU needs, like the Mac Mini is in effect kind of the perfect machine to do that with because it currently today has an amazing processor and a terrible GPU. <laughs> yeah. And and it's fine for developers, you know, the, the screen situation aside, which is not good, um, but you know, the, the machine itself has a good performance characteristic for developers, so that's fine. My overall Mac wish list besides that, which is a good one, is heat reduction. The Intel chips run so hot under such normal circumstances, I want to see heat reduction. We still have problems with CPU throttling on the high-end laptops, especially when used in clamshell mode or when connected to external displays, which is a very common thing people do. Um, I want to see reduced heat. And to do that, I or in when you do that, you can then also reduce fan noise. I would love, like to me, I think in the modern era, you should never hear the fan noise from a desktop. Ever, ever, ever. Desktop should always be inaudible. Not to say they shouldn't have fans, but that the fans should be inaudible at all times under all conditions. We already have many desktops from Apple that do that, but not all of them. I want to see that move to all of them. And then laptops, I think we can probably do that most of the time for most models. I know if you really push that 16-inch class, there are probably going to be some audible fan noise, but I want to see most of the laptops in almost every circumstance, be inaudible. And I think this move to Apple Silicon should be able to do that. I hope it can. So that's my list. Yeah, and I think, too, it's with that, it's the, it has the advantage of I don't need my ba- laptop to necessarily have longer battery life in the way that, like, it's, it needs to, you know, be 18 hours long or something. Like, that would be great, but I don't need that. Like, that, that, that can be spent in so many better ways um, than, you know, we're, we're trying to extend it out too far but these are our hopes these are our guesses i have a suspicion that we are wildly wrong on all of them but it is still fun nevertheless to speculate and discuss and then in the next coming weeks we'll find out um just how wrong we are <laughs> i look forward to that thanks for listening everybody and we'll talk to you in two weeks bye <laughs>